Welcome to Law Enforcement Today, the podcast. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. I'm a radio broadcaster and also retired Baltimore police sergeant. In every Law Enforcement Today podcast, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers, both active and retired, their families, friends, and supporters. We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Be sure to check out our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and please take the time to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. Back in the studio. Man, it's so nice to be here. Air conditioning is cranking. It's this nice is like and cool. an icebox. It's like the meat locker in a Rocky movie. It is. It is very I'm cold waiting in to here. see Robert Greenberg start going to town on a, on a side of beef. I'm going to wear my Mike Tyson, uh, what do they call those, uh, fur jackets in here next time I have I come no idea what studio. you're talking about. And I don't even want to be associated with you. <laughs> That's like that. right. Joining us on the phone, Kirk Lawless uh, from Missouri area. Kirk, how are you? I'm fine, Jay. How are you? Good. I want to say this. You and I got connected via Facebook. I think what happened is I wrote a story about something involving police work somehow or another, and you saw it, and you got kind of concerned and reached out to me and said, like, dude, are you okay? You know, here's my situation, blah, 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 blah. And we kind of touched base that way. Do you remember that? Yeah, and, and that's, if I remember correctly, that's about how it happens. And I've made... I have a lot of personal friends, but I've met quite a few people that I consider close personal friends now just through the magic of the Internet and Facebook. And a lot of the conversations start with that. Somebody posts something and I read it and it, it you know, kind of raises a red flag that maybe they're having some kind of an issue. Maybe they have PTSD or they're they're fighting some kind of demons, and I'm not, you know, I don't have a history in counseling or anything like that. But just another on, concerned brother officer. Yeah, yeah, that's I've it. been on the job 28 years, and if I hear something that's off putting and I think somebody's dealing with an issue, I reach out to them. You know, I've done the same thing, and it was total strangers, and the response almost always has been. No, I'm okay, or you know, I'm struggling a little bit, but yeah, I do appreciate you asking. And I did. I really appreciate it. And we started to connect right away. I think we right. talked on the phone that night. Yeah, we did. And um, you told me a little bit of your story, and I got to tell you, this is, in this day and age, unimaginable. Not, not what you went through on the job, not the incident you're going to tell us about, because we read about those all the time. What's unimaginable to most people is the way that you were treated by the municipality you worked for and what they did to you. Let's, first of all, I had the police audio. I'm going to play that now. You are in this audio. What unit number are you? Um, I am unit 304. A couple times I answer when they call for 307. That's because one half of car 307 was a rookie officer on her last night of field training and she was with me at the front of the house her training officer was at the back of the house i mean i answered the radio on her behalf basically. Gotcha. all right let's play the audio right now and then we'll jump back into the conversation in just a few moments sure. 305 
long time ages. If you want, uh, you can reassign that call to Ten for three audio from, and I struggle saying the name of the agency in the town. Was it Florissant? Florissant. Florissant, yeah. Missouri. And right. what date was that? 19 July of 2009. Now let's walk us through. You respond as a backup to this call. It turns out to be a home invasion. Correct. The call came out, actually, I, I wasn't even assigned the call, but it was midnight shift. It was middle of summer. It was hot as hell here. It just came out as a possible burglary in progress. I was about two miles away. My ears parked up because the dispatcher, who, I'm known, who I've, I have known for a long time, there was just a, a funny inflection in her voice, and she just said, be advised, I just lost contact with the caller. Okay. Now, a lot of people, especially new guys, might not pick up on things like that, but when you've been on a job for a long time, and Jay will tell you this, that you get used to hearing people's voices. So if you hear a change in their inflection or their delivery of a message and they sound off, yeah. it raises a red flag for us. So when she said that over the airwaves, to me, it it felt like, well, this is probably going to be a credible call, and I'm probably just as close as anybody, so I'm going to head over that way. Give me a few minutes. I think it took like... 
two minutes to get there, but within that two minutes, I stopped and got ready to go to a hot call. I patrolled my windows down all the time, winter, summer, but I made sure I had all my windows down, all my doors unlocked. I took my patrol rifle out of its rack, chambered around, and uh, had it had it ready to go. And I laid it on the uh, passenger side door up against my equipment bag, just in case it was a hot call and we encountered some uh, resistance on arrival. I wanted to be able to take cover behind my car, but then be able to reach into my car to get a rifle and not have to worry about trying to find uh, the button to release the rifle or use a handcuff key to... When you got there, how did things unfold? Was it very quickly? Yeah, real quick. As soon as I rounded the corner, I could see this uh, young officer pretty clearly. She, you know, her, her body position kind of looked on it looked uneasy to me she like she was maybe having some difficulties either communicating with the guy that was in the house i could see him standing inside the house but behind a, a glass storm door and it looked to me like she was talking to him but he wasn't communicating back so that again that raised that raised a red flag and as i pulled around the corner my vision was so clear it's like your your brain will say like you don't need the auditory part of your brain so a warning signal to your brain says your eyesight's probably going to be the most important thing you need and the chemicals in your body react to that and, and the clarity of my vision that night still amazes me from a distance of maybe seven or eight houses away i could see this guy's we may, I don't know if he could see me, but I could see his eyes, and I knew that she was probably getting ready to get in the middle of something that she wasn't prepared for. So it was and going down. Oh, it was you going down. Tell, you could tell it was, it, it was for real, and it's like instantaneous. Yes. So this yeah. guy charged out of the house at you, or what happened? When I pulled up to park my car at the foot of the driveway, he had stepped out of the house, and he had... He had something in his hand. I could see his face really clearly, but he had dark clothes. I couldn't see both of his hands, but he looked like he was holding a bag or something in his hand that he had pointed at this young officer. As soon as I saw him, I started yelling at him to, to, to get on the ground, and uh, he kind of ignored her. She started to talk. He ignored her and pretty much focused more on me, and he... Um, just totally disregarded her and didn't really run at me. He tried to get, wanted to get in a better position to where he had a better chance of dealing with me. He kind of quartered away from me, and as he got a little, as my eyesight adjusted to the darkness, I could tell that he had something in his right hand, but he was covering it with something that he was holding in his left hand, and that ended up being a black baseball cap and quartered away from me in the driveway. So I asked him to show me his hands a couple of times. This all happened really fast. I think in the audio, if you would hit it with a, a stopwatch. It, so he refused to get down, Kurt? Oh, yeah, he, refu he okay. refused to get down. So he threw the left hand, was holding the black baseball cap, and he kind of flung it aside. And at the same time, he just kind of raised the silver-colored revolver just kind of threw it up at the hip and pointed it at me from, I don't know, we were probably about 10 feet away from each other. Okay. Can I say the name brand of the gun on yeah, the radio? Sure. 
Yeah, well, it was a Ruger. Okay. It was a Ruger SP-101. And you knew I that knew, from 10 feet away? I knew that. In that split second, I knew what it was because I was like, holy hell. I'm going to get killed things, by a Ruger. Those things work every time. They are notorious for working. That's why people... That's why people buy them. Right. They always work. It's a no-joke uh, handgun. It's not a Saturday it is special a no joke. taped up. Yeah. It's, it's a for real, legitimate threat. Yeah. Um, so let me jump forward. Yeah. The gun, you recognize the gun. It's immediate threat, and I I know you responded with deadly force. Yes. I got two rounds off real quick. One was uh, a little low because I was, I, I was coming up, and... Uh, the second one was the one that eventually was the the one that killed him and it hit him hit him right in the, right in the torso. Now we're listening to the police audio. I can hear you towards the end talking about yeah. an ambo, and I hear something in the background. Is that the guy moaning? Yeah, yeah, that's him. He it's not like television. Part. It's not like the movies. There's no big oh, no. long statements. It's either the gurgle or a, yeah. a unintelligible moan, and you can right, definitely yeah. pick that up in the audio. Yeah. So this guy of- winds up dying. Yeah, he wanted to fight, yeah. But you, you, he wound up dying. You wound up killing him. And yeah. I want to fast forward because I saw that you, you wrote a letter. Yeah. Tell us what the, the letter's called. Uh, it, the letter is, if I could talk to this guy, what, what, what would I say to him? You know? I mean, nobody, nobody ever really gets into that or... F that guy, he tried to kill me. And you know what? He did He did try to kill me. And he, he probably, if I hadn't have been there, he probably would have shot, if not shot and killed this young officer in her last night of field training. Maybe she'd have got, he he may have gotten her field training officer if he heard the shots being fired and came around the front, because that's what he did when he heard me shooting. Mm-hmm. He came around the front. He could have been a target as well. There are people in this world I hate. I don't really have a hatred for this guy. I really kind of, in the aftermath, I mean, yeah, I was mad enough that he was trying to kill me. Or if, if I die, I hope they find your dead body next to mine, too. So What's that old saying? Is it, if we get into a gunfight, we may not win, but I'll be beside you in a pile of spent brass. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> okay, Correct. I, I get that mindset totally. So you wrote this right. letter to the man you killed. Right. And it described how you felt about the incident, but it also described to some degree what happened to you afterwards. Right. Well, I kind of knew, you know, I, I mean, there, there's pending litigation, so there are some things I can't right. talk about, but I would just say gross negligence on the de- part of the department. They had never handled an officer involved shooting with a fatality I don't know that they had ever handled one, but I know in the 25 years I was there, they had not. And I asked them to have somebody from St. Louis City Metropolitan PD or St. Louis County PD. I, you know, I said, well, why not have those guys come in and do it? One, it looks good to have an independent agency do the investigation. I, so I said, I'm not worried about it. It happened in the shooting itself probably happened in five seconds. It was a textbook good shooting. I mean, I've it's kind of a misnomer to say I felt good about it, but as far as the validity of the shooting, all my ducks were in a row. I had no problem with it. Did I the mean, department offer like critical incident debriefing and all that? <laughs> well, or can uh, you answer that? Well, yeah, yeah, I can, I can answer that because it's a, it's public knowledge. It was in the newspaper. Uh, they wrote a couple articles about me uh, during this uh, first trial, so some of this stuff is is out there. 
they kept me on the scene, I think, a little bit too long, which I would think you being from Baltimore, you know, that generally they ask you a couple questions and get you out of there. Right. I was Take the, the officer's weapon, his gun belt, all that right. stuff. Get him in a car. Get him away from people. Get right. him to homicide where they're going to talk to him. Um, I was on the scene for about three hours, maybe more. Long, at least long enough for the news crews that were roving reporters heard the radio traffic and showed up. One of the guys that showed up was a cameraman from one of the local stations who happens to be a personal friend. And I think he suspected it might have been me involved, and he made sure not to put my face on the TV. But, you know, they just did a lot. They just did a lot of weird, weird things. One thing that really, really made me mad that really gives me some... Um, some anger issues is when I gave the supervisor who responded after the proverbial and literal smoke had cleared, I handed him the bad guy's weapon because it was cocked, ready to fire single action. It was loaded, so I picked it up. I made it safe. I lowered the hammer, um, and I gave him the gun, and I excused myself and told him I was going to sit in my car for a while. When I got back out of the car... I went looking for the um, young officer at, that had been at the front of the house with me, and I couldn't find her. I wanted to make sure she was okay. Uh, this is the one that's in field training. Right. Yeah, it was her last night at field training. So, I, you know, I was concerned for her. I wanted to make sure she was okay. I mean, you know, most people do their, live their entire career and not see a shooting like that. And she had probably maybe not even seen a dead body before. But I just wanted to kind of check on her. Couldn't find her. And somebody told me that she had gone to the hospital. Well, your mind's really, I mean, you're you're still amped up on adrenaline. And, and you, know, you know, you know what you were just involved in. And the, the whole thing, it was just so bizarre. So anyway, I thought, you know, well, see, I know I, I pulled the trigger two times. I saw the paramedics cut the clothes off the guy in the driveway, and he had two pretty grievous bullet wounds. And I, no, he didn't get a round off because his. So you thought she was hurt. And I thought, was she hurt, or did somebody shoot her? We found out later that home invasion robbery wasn't just this guy. Two crews of guys came out in two different stolen cars. They came from uh, the Walnut Park neighborhood of Nar St. Louis, which sounds nice, but the local cops refer to Walnut Park as Murderville uh-huh. for the obvious reason. So where was the female officer? Why was she at the hospital? The young, oh. young female oh. officer was field training. Um, one, of the, one of the bosses on the scene decided that um, it would be a good idea for a police officer to accompany the dying man to the hospital, so they put her in the bus with the guy that I shot. So Brand she new. Had Brand, oh yeah, brand new. Not with her field training officer, by her, by herself with you know. Not even fire qualified personnel. to be on a street by herself. She was on the point. scene. She shouldn't have been put in there anyway. Right. Put so it. they started having a bunch of blunders immediately. Oh. How long did they have you off the street for, like counseling and whatnot, uh, and decompressing before they put you back on the street and patrol? Let's see. My time to decompress. I went home. I had I had a a brief a brief encounter with uh, one of the captains who uh, I had already I, they had already told me that the guy died that they couldn't save him at the hospital it was just it, they, he's just there's no way they could have saved him 
So the boss told me how it was going to be, what what the steps were going to be as far as seeing the psychiatrist and get cleared to come back to work. And he did that. I hung out at the station for a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I called my wife. I called my dad, who at the time was about, I see how old was he, probably... Uh, 80, 79 years old, I guess, you know, because he watches the news. I knew he was going to get up early and watch the news, and I didn't want him to freak out, so I called him and told him I was involved in the shooting, and whatever you hear on the news, no cops got hurt, and yeah. it was me, and I'm okay. I left, went home. I lived in the area. I went home, saw my wife and kids. Uh, that was about 7 o'clock in the morning. I had to be back at noon on the 20th to be talked to about what happened. I probably left the department about 6 p.m. I went home. So I didn't sleep that. I mean, I was on a midnight shift, so I didn't sleep. Um, I stayed up pretty much that entire day. And on the 21st of July, which was my 50th birthday, they sent me to see a psychiatrist who said that I, I had signs of post-traumatic stress but it seemed to be waning as time Wait, progressed. That was a period of what, 24, 36 I was, hours? I was back, they, they put me back on the street on my 50th birthday, 28 hours later. 28 hours. That's amazing. amazing. And a psychiatrist yeah. says you have signs of PTSD within 24 hours, but it's waning. It's <laughs> waning within a day. Within a day, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. You do wind up having post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, I started having some issues a, a, a little bit later. Um <sighs> I started having some, like, short-term memory things that still plague me today. I mean, the flashbacks and everything like that. It's like, if if I had a checklist of everything from July of 2009 till April of 2011, I could have been ticking those boxes, but I was The checklist like, that, yeah, that everyone asked you, you've been, you've been hitting, you got 100 on the test. Right. I, oh, yeah, I got, I got A+. Plus. There were just probably a few things that I didn't have, but everything else was pretty pretty classic examples of it. Did you go to the department and say, "Hey, look, I need to get some help or something?" Well, I did. And the main thing, the main thing that drove me to it, you know, like I said, without getting into all the mechanics of this impending lawsuit, the things I, I can talk about that that's a well-known fact. I didn't really have so much of a problem with taking the life of another human being in the you know during the course of my job that that was something that had to be done but the way the department handled it and treated me afterwards really left me with some really suspicious well let's just say suspicions i mean yeah. about everything and, and that suspicion is not paranoia and like I told you, you know, they put the kid in the bus with the guy I shot. That's right. not right. They, you know, there's a, a checklist again on their side of things that they did wrong or things that they did that they should have never done, which had me starting to look over my shoulder quite a bit. And for good reason, because is it safe to say? And I have to watch my words because I know you have pending legal case with them. Yeah, you weren't retired. I was not retired. You were not given a lengthy period of getting help and, and being able to retire from your career, what wound up happening? 
In short, I mean, there's no yeah, way in short, in short, Yeah, in short, um, mostly I had the thing that bothered me most as far as interfering with my job was uh, a, a really significant disturbance in my sleep pattern. Um, I would go sometimes, and even now, I don't sleep sometimes for three or four days at a time. The night of the shooting and then the night they had me back at work on my 50th birthday on the 21st of July, I still hadn't slept. I still had two more additional days to go before my rec days. I didn't sleep until my second rec day. So I was I was wide awake for about almost six days. Gotcha. They did not handle this the right way. But what right. really, and here's the part that really gets in my craw. And I don't know if you can say it, but I'm going to say it. They turned around and they fired you. Correct. They, they would call it a separation, just like they... For what? A, a, For separa- what? a separation is fired as productivity standard is a ticket quota. I wanted to... I, did, I didn't want to be the guy that didn't sleep for four days in a row and wrecked a cruiser and hurt somebody. Right. Kirk, what did they fire you for? Uh they fired me for not being able to fulfill the essential duties of a police officer because of the PTSD. Right, they, you know, for having a disability. I mean, the, the and that's exactly duties. what this is. It's a medically recognized disability. For Correct. God's sakes, the federal government, the Veterans Administration, as slow as they've been to handle things, have recognized this as an issue for uh, the last since the seventies, eighties. And yet, this part of Missouri is like, nah, doesn't apply to you guys. Right. And we're not a small, we're, I don't come from a small agency. We're, we're a, almost a hundred officer department. So the deal that was presented to me was not the deal that I got. The deal was that the department was going to uh, pay for treatment and get me back to doing my job and which is what should have happened get back on the road and in it's not reality, like you did something criminal you did something wrong you did something illegal you violated procedures you didn't do any of that stuff what you did was justified by the book they should have taken care of you but that's not what they did right right they just went re- they went retroactive uh burned off my sick time vacation time calm time they allowed me 60 days of catastrophic leave, which we, once you max out, uh, you know, say at 25 years, you get 20 sick days a year. Well, you don't use 20 sick days a year. So say I use five. So every year I would donate 15 days into this catastrophic pool. So if somebody got sick or hurt or got cancer or whatever, right. they could pull from that and get 60 days. Well, I donated more than 60 days to that. So, you know, they talk about all the things they did for me but i had already i had already accrued the sick time and i already accrued my vacation time and my comp time and i had donated more than 60 days of catastrophic and and here's why they do this i'm not saying they in particular your agency your your department but why agencies tend to do that because they don't want to pay out so they don't sum, have to come out of sum. pocket. Yeah, lump sum. So it's like, well, we'll take his sick time. Right. And, and you know, that way we don't show any negative. And then right. they turn around and says, oh, you can't do your job, so see you, see you later. And, and that's, yeah, that that's pretty much, we're, we're just expendable. So, you know, they can replace me with somebody from the police academy that can run like a gazelle. And we'll do it for a lot for, less money, yeah. For $20,000. Correct. And I know you um, can't talk about the details of the court case. I, I do know... It's ongoing. 
There's been yeah. one series of uh, trials that that yeah. did not go favorably, but is still ongoing. It's yeah. We we had to, we filed a motion for new trial. There were there were so many improprieties in the first one that it it kind of just left my head. What straight. I would like you to do is when you get to some final conclusion with this, and and I'm hoping, and I'm sure Robert's the same way. That means at the very least you get a pension. Uh, I mean, well, for God's sakes, you gave 28 years. Right. Well, at our department doesn't have a defined pension. Well, well at, at one time they did, but it, 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 like well, 10 a, years... You have a 401? 10, yeah, 10 years into my career there, they switched and presented an option where you jump over into a 401k, okay. which would then be portable if you left and went somewhere else. You had more control over it, and it scared a bunch of us into jumping into that because the way the city charter's written, if you do the 85 points, years of service plus age equals 85, you get your pension. It'd be paid out in a lump sum. So, but it was written that the mayor, the, at the whim of the mayor, he could say, "Well, starting today, anybody who retires doesn't get a lump sum. You're not going to get whatever." There's no guarantees. We'll just tell you what you're going to get for a month. That's That's some power right there. Right. So everybody's like, well, I don't want guys, you know, so a lot of guys were retiring. And it was pretty much, I think, a plan just to get guys to jump into it. So, yeah, so it was 401k. I had to access it, you know, 13 years early. And then when you get penalized on taxes, that's not. It goes away real fast. It goes away real fast. I just don't get this i i really don't i i know jay's this is my top five pet peeves right yeah. here we fight the people on the streets you know you uh, quabble with sometimes with your bro- your fellow officers but you never think that you're going to have to fight with your employer or watch your back with your employer the biggest battle being with them. right and, and and that is the scariest thing in other words what i'm trying to say is is we could take it if we're being shot at by bad people. Oh, yeah. We expect it. We don't yeah. expect our employers or people that we've had lunch with or have known for 20, 28 years in your case to Throw basically you out like, trash. like trash. Thank you. I was just going there. And I and I and and I we hear this story over and over and right. I, I just don't know how people are not as outraged about this. As me and Jay are, I, I just I hear it over and over again, and uh, I know you can't speak about your case, but I certainly hope that somehow, some way, that you get some justice. And I'll say this: if any young people right now want to go into law enforcement, and I'm not going to tell you not to, but if you happen to be in Missouri, stay the hell away from Florissant, Missouri. If they do this to you, they'll do it to anybody. Well, that's the, I, and I told my wife the same thing. You know, I said, you know. Blessing in disguise, maybe. I mean, I've been I've been through a lot during my career. I've never been shot, never been stabbed. I've been hit by a car. Not while I was in a car. I was on foot and had to have surgery, and I got dragged by a car. I worked narcotics undercover for a couple of years. Yeah, so. we we talked about some and that stuff. Yeah, you get the nicks and the bruises and the, and the shoulder injuries and everything else comes along with it. No one walks. Oh away yeah, unscathed. yeah. I mean, my 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 uh, my injury file is about an inch thick. Yeah, you know, and those are the ones that I bothered to really report, talk about yes, it. Yeah. You'd, you'd, you know, it's like you run to the doctor every time you get hurt at work. You'd be at the doctor every shift pretty much sometimes. Well, I got to tell you this. I, ca- I can't wait to hear more 
from you and updates about how this is progressing and uh, that some changes need to happen uh yeah. not just in your case but for oh, other yeah. people I mean, as well i'm not i'm not the only one no i'm but sure but a lot of times it happens to people and they don't say anything because i i just i'm 57 years old i'm almost 58 youngster i'm not going back on the job I don't need an endorsement from my I, former department. I did my time. Going, yeah, I, I did my time. I don't need to prove anything to anybody else. Right. I'm not going back in a the uniform. Therefore, I don't. I don't need an endorsement from you guys. And quite the contrary. Now I'm free to speak about anything I want to speak about. And when we get further into it, I'll. I'll tell you the whole story. Well, I'll tell you what. We will definitely well, love get to back have to you, you back. and have you as a guest again. Kirk Lawless, uh, thanks so much, man. And I understand you're spending your time now, like, growing your beard and writing. What yeah. else are you doing? Uh, pretty much that's it. I'm growing mm-hmm. my beard, writing. I'm starting to paint a little bit. A, a real renaissance man. Yeah, I'm a renaissance man. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks like so much, yeah. brother. Appreciate your time. Thank you so okay. much. The man has arguably... One of the coolest law enforcement names, or name for a law enforcement It's unbelievable. Officer Lawless. It's just troubling to me. I mean, I, I you know it's a pet peeve of mine to keep talking about it, how these departments treat our brothers and sisters. I, I just don't understand it. I don't get it. I know it's a money and a financial thing. But they'll turn around and make a settlement on a police-involved shooting where the officer did nothing wrong for 750000 to a $1 million at the blink of an eye. In an eye. When it involves well, any type of... of Political image. They'll well, do no, that. that's also financially but, related. And they'll they'll, sh- they'll they'll sweep these people out like they, like toys that don't play with anymore. It's unbelievable. And this is again why we talked. We said many many times. This is why law enforcement officers need to start sticking together. Whether you're active, you're retired, your family members are going to say, "Listen, enough of this nonsense. It's not going to happen anymore." And I'm not an advocate for blue flu or any of that stuff. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is. When you see something happening that's not right, you need to talk to each other and tell them, look, we're not taking this. I can't agree with you more. Um, the, and, and I got to thank him for coming forward. He didn't have to. He's still in litigation. Yeah. Uh, it's a very slippery slope that he's walking by coming on and speaking with today. And, and uh, I give him kudos for and that. And he did pretty well because, in all honesty, I don't know if I could talk about what I've been through. I know I can't without getting really, really angry. And I sense some of the anger he's talking about in his conversation. I can feel it. Right. But he's pretty mellow in, in how he talked about it. Yeah, he but did I think, pretty good I think that sometimes that mellowness is just that that hidden volcano behind it. It's a, it's a bad situation. So I'll say it again. If you're considering law enforcement and you think about applying to Florissant, Missouri Police Department, do yourself a favor. Don't do it. Look somewhere else. Well, a lot of agencies are hiring. Lots of agencies nowadays. Almost all of them are having problems recruiting people, aren't they? There is jobs all over the place. And Speaking uh, of which, are we going to have that on the website sometime soon? We're, we are going to be having a uh, training section and a post-job uh, section coming up shortly. We're, we're working on that. On lawenforcementoday.com. And uh, I want to thank Kirk Lawless for being here. And I'm really, really excited and proud and pleased that Robert Greenberg has come up with his own signature sign-off now to, to end the radio well, show. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sold on it yet. I got It's got to sound good and feel good. Holy God. Yeah, yeah. There we go. But I, I do, uh, you know, we're working on it. Nobody else has come up with a better one, but to all my brothers and sisters out there, stay ready. 
so you do not have to get ready. And until next week, on behalf of everyone associated with Law Enforcement Today, I'm John J. Wiley. See ya.